Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech. And today we have the fantastic opportunity to talk with uh, James Picard, who is the architect and uh, founding director of Cartwright Picard, about a software platform that they've developed called 7D BIM. Um, and 7D BIM is really trying to tackle how we get um, the whole development and architecture industry to uh, decarbonize. Uh, but we'll get into that in a second because it is a massive problem and a massive opportunity. Um, before that, uh, James, thanks, thanks very much for joining us. We'd love to hear a little bit about your background, uh, how you got to founding Cartwright Picard and how you got here. Great. Well, thank you for the opportunity um, and hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm, I've been a qualified architect in the UK now for over 30 years, and I co-founded Cartwright Picard um, over 24 years ago. Um, we built a lot of, of large projects, included office buildings and large residential schemes and education projects. But we've, um, we're known as research-led designers, and we've, often, we've carried out several government-funded research projects, including into 7D BIM. Yep, got it. And uh, I, I don't know, as a, as a kid, or, or, or what was the original inspiration that got you into, into architecture? Because I've, I've heard my friends who, who studied it in college referred to it as architecture. But uh, yeah, <laughs> what, what was the passion here? I was five years old, and my father, who was a lawyer, um, commissioned a very good architect to design a very modern house for us. I saw it built and lived in that house very happily with my family for many years. And I think seeing seeing the design and the, uh, the construction of that house inspired me to go into architecture. It did help that my grandfather was a builder and my mother was an artist. And I think when you put master builder and art together, you get you get an architect. So yeah, you, you were primed from this from the start. Um, great. Well, okay. Well, then let's maybe hop into um, what is the problem that you really saw in the market that that uh, you wanted to go out and solve? Okay. Well, I think it's very straightforward and um, self-evident that climate, the climate emergency, um, is here and is is now recognised by pretty much all uh, developed nations, including the United States. I think the U.S. government has very recently announced its new goal to reduce carbon emissions in the U.S. by by 50% by 2030. Uh, the UK government has recently announced a legally binding target to reduce the UK carbon emissions by 78% by 2035. Now, the, this is a very tall order. Um, don't don't by, make any mistake, this is going to be tough. But why is it of interest to an architect? Well, according to the United Nations, 40% of all global carbon emissions come from the construction and property sectors combined, they form the largest single com component or contributor to global carbon emissions. So by anybody's standards, there is a fantastic opportunity here to make a huge impact on these big targets that we're, we're all um, signing up to. Yep. 
so, okay, massive, massive problem. Um, I, I think we and, and all of our listeners would absolutely agree, like 40% of all greenhouse gas emissions, huge, huge amount of the problem. But what is, let's maybe just double click down on it. What is the real problem inside the architectural, the development or the construction industry that's really uh, stopping us from solving this right now? Okay, well, the construction and property sectors traditionally have have been woefully underutilizing digital technology, um, and um, it, uh, one of the results of that is 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 very low levels of productivity, well, well below most other sectors, including manufacturing. Now, traditionally, the construction and property sectors, um, including the architects, engineers, and designers that work in those sectors, have been focused very much on capital cost and embodied carbon only. But we know from our research that this is only a small part or an element of the whole story. So the lion's share of carbon emissions and costs in this sector come from the operation of buildings during their lifetime. Now the data on whole life cost and carbon emissions in use is very difficult to find and it's not readily available. So designers and the owners of buildings are effectively working blind. And that is the situation we're in now. So we've got to now see the light, haven't we? We've got to get the access to that data and integrate it with the way we design buildings and the way we run buildings. Yep, yep. So if I were to, uh, were to kind of give my, my description of this, so I, I've been through a number of builds um, and typically, at some point in that build, you have this this moment where you get into what, what's typically called something like value engineering, right? Where where we sit down and we have all of these trade offs, right? Should we be doing X or Y in the design or the construction phase because we've got to have trade offs? But the uh, calculus that's going into those trade offs is typically um, straight up sort of capex or time of development type trade offs. We aren't taking into account things like what is the long term uh, CO two trade off that we're making when we decide to use you know one one window for another or one HVAC layout for another for for example. Um, so let's maybe then then jump into what is the solution here um, and how do we actually solve this so that people can make fully informed trade-off decisions? Yeah, well, some of, some of the people listening will know that um, will know what building information modeling is, uh, or otherwise called BIM, which is an intelligent 3D model based process um, that creates a kind of digital twin, if you want to call it that, for, for a building in its design stage. And it gives designers the tools to plan, design, construct, and manage buildings more efficiently. Now, what we're suggesting is, is that we use BIM much more effectively, in a, in a way putting it on steroids, by integrating whole life costs and carbon with BIM. And that's how we've defined 7D BIM, which is adding to the model the, uh, the data, the database on whole life costs and carbon, which is so useful for designers. Now, the UK government's own research is showing that the opportunity for the design opportunity for impacting most on the whole life cost and carbon of a building design actually occurs during the first 20, 25% of the design of a project, i.e. at the concept stage. Later on, when you get to the more detailed granular, granular stages, and let's say when the contractor's building it or, or, or you're doing construction information, there's far less opportunity to have an impact because, in a sense, the die has been cast. 
So what we're trying to do with our 7D platform is allow designers, contractors, and building owners to have far more information um, and be far more in, better informed about the very early decisions they're making and the consequences of those by integrating whole life cost data and whole, whole, whole life carbon data from the earliest opportunity. We can, we can avoid that, um, you know, the, the, the cost cutting or the value engineering that you're talking about. And remember, it can be carbon value, not just cost value. So we can see it coming, we can do it all early and have a, a, a streamline the whole process and have, you know, far better project outcomes is really the, 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 the goal. Yeah, I think that uh, one one of the good examples um, that we've discussed in the past is is the decision, say, between double pane glazing and triple pane glazing. Right? That um, now, if you ask most people just off the street, should should you put triple pane glazing versus double pane glazing into a new construction building? Most people would say, "Oh well, well, three is better than two, right? It must it must be better." But it turns out that actually this is a complicated decision tree that has to be made depending on ambient temperatures, which way that window is facing and all of that stuff. So maybe take us through how your system would actually get to the bottom of what truly is the better decision. Well, for example, the software um, that, we, that we've developed, if you take Windows, for example, you, the designer at a very early stage would be offered up loads of options, including aluminium, steel, timber windows, composite windows, UPVC, UPC, UPVC windows. And the data for each of those products and systems, um, according to the actual cost of maintaining that, that, that window system over a 30-year life, for example, allowing for the embodied energy in making it, but also the embodied carbon in uh, maintaining that building over its lifespan. And of course, some products have a shorter lifespan than others. So as you've rightly said, it's, it's quite complicated. Now, no designer has access to that data easily at the moment. So we need to capture that data in a way and integrate it in a, in a smart way that uh, with our BIM model that allows the design team, contractors and clients to be, and the developers to be able to utilize this information in a, in a very smart, integrated way that uses um, you know, data uh, analytics, uh, AI, and automation of the process to, to speed up the process and make it more successful. Yeah, so I think that the kicker here really is that that decision is highly complicated because for, uh, in, in the case of glass, right, Cl uh, glass needs such high temperatures to make it. So the embodied carbon in glass is extremely high. And so the decision to go from double, uh, double glazed in this example up to triple glazed actually has a massive delta in embodied carbon. And you then need to figure out over the operating life of that window, is it actually worth that embodied carbon sort of uh, investment that you're making, right? And that is not a not a simple uh, question to answer. Correct, and a lot of that could be could be determined by the size of the building, the orientation of the facade of the building, and uh, shading, all sorts of different things. The temperature, uh, the location. Are you on, are you in a desert? Are you in a very cold climate? All sorts of things come into consideration. And so, um, you know, the, the level of intelligence and uh, integration of that kind of information is really important to helping make better decisions. So we, we, we see 7D BIM as a, um, a decision support tool, really. 
um, to, to, to uh, empower architects and engineers um, to make better decisions and give them an ability to test different design options, to compare the whole life costs and carbon of different products and materials from those early stages and make assessments of the design uh, all, all the way through to how the building will operate uh, in use. Um, and that, that 7D BIM model can be handed over to the occupier in perpetuity. Um, and over time, let's say the first 30 years of operation, the occupier can update the model with actual data. And that, that actual data goes back onto our, our, our whole our, our, our database, which will be anonymized, and that, that database, which will be you know, held, held cloud-based, will continue as it, as it gets enriched to make um, the, the database more and more uh, useful and accurate as time goes by with the more users of, of that data. Yep. But you do have a bit of a, uh, almost like a garbage in, garbage out sort of uh, bootstrapping problem here with getting a database to start out with. So maybe talk a little bit about the, um, the, the incredible database you, you've managed to get your hands on. And there's a great example in here, actually, as we talk about Windows, about um, you know, how, how long particular window handles last on, on each side of a building. Yeah, so I mean, we, we've we've had access to about four different databases to develop our prototype software. Um, one of those has been supplied by a building insurance company that was a sponsor of the original uh, government-funded research that we've undertaken. And from from uh, one of the databases, we were able to see that um, the difference in the performance or failure rate of window handles. So if you take a twenty-five story high. A built to rent residential building, um, you can assess right down to the, the, the granular nature of, of, of how window handles um, will, will fail according to the orientation. So a, a window handle on the windward side of a building compared to the leeward side, 25 stories up. On the windward side, the wind is helping to close that window when you pull it shut. On the leeward side, you've got the vacuum, the suction of the window of the air pulling the window away from you. So the force you use to shut that window is a lot greater. And so all of that's captured by the database, which shows that window handles on the leeward side of a, of a tall building fail twice as quickly as the window handles on the other side. Now you can then assess different manufacturers. You can assess, you can perhaps specify on that leeward side you have to have you know, better quality door uh, window handles, sorry. So there, it, it, it gets down to a really nitty gritty level of information, which of course, if you get it right, can save millions of pounds later on, on retrofitting and repairs to buildings. So this is, and, and I think that the next point I'd like to make is obviously, um, but the vast majority of buildings that we've got to improve exist now. And so uh, you can apply 7D BIM to retrofitting and to building refurbishment. It doesn't have to be just for new build. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I think the, the main takeaway is that this is an incredibly complicated problem that has been so daunting in the past, this idea of how do I make these intelligent trade-offs between OPEX and CAPEX uh, from a dollars basis, a, a pounds basis, right, versus, say, a CO2 basis, um, just frankly, is such a complicated problem that it's never been possible in the past. We do need specialized software to do this. Um, 70 BIM is sort of at the, at the forefront of making this the standard, but ultimately, this should be the way that all buildings are designed. 
Yeah, and I, I think one you, you touched on 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 dollars there for a second. I mean, it's just worth mentioning that recent surveys uh, showing that the market, the annual market value of BIM software globally is around four point five billion US dollars, and is forecast to double to nine billion US dollars um, in the next four years, which is a pretty huge growth. So um, the use of BIM is going in, in one direction, which is, is, is greater and greater use. It is an enormous market. And as you know, we are, you know, we're looking for investment to try and take this startup, essentially what is a startup with prototype software to, to, to a marketable product in, in less than two years' time. Yep, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think this is, as we discussed, massive problem. Uh, the industry needs better tools. You guys are building uh, building a better tool. We're, we're essentially designing a better mousetrap here. It is still a daunting task, right? We need massive databases. We need AI systems that are predicting how the buildings run. So uh, by, by no means a done deal. I think this uh, us as an industry, 70 BIM as a, as a, a software product, um, it's, it's going to take a while to get to where it needs to be. Um, but it's very heartening that we are, you know, taking these first steps to get this industry uh, aligned here and get them the tools that they actually need. So um, if, if our audience wants to uh, hear a little bit more, learn a little bit more, where can they find you? Um, yeah, cartwrightpicard.com. We've got a website there with all the information you'll need and it, the space there for, on 7D BIM. And by all means, please get in touch with me personally. Um, that, that would be fantastic. Fantastic. No, thanks very much for taking the time today and uh, teaching us all a little bit about uh, how to make intelligent trade-offs in, uh, in the design retrofit process. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.